Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show where I collect my favorite stories and ideas across InfoSec, technology, and humanity, and talk about why they matter. You can subscribe to the companion newsletter, which also functions as a show notes, at danielmeisler.com newsletter. All right, welcome to episode 55 of Unsupervised Learning. We are going to start with information security news. Symantec has purchased LifeLock for $2.3 billion. This is part of Symantec's overall play to become a comprehensive cybersecurity solution for customers. I personally don't know what these big security software companies are doing, and I'm not really sure that they know either. Seems like the consolidation will only continue. First, basically, the software security companies will join the big software companies. Then the big hardware companies will combine with the big software companies, which will also combine with the big IT services companies. So at some point, companies like HP, Dell, IBM combine with companies like Microsoft and Oracle, which then combine with companies like Accenture and KPMG, and uh, customers would basically rather not have to buy things from lots of different places. If the trend continues, we'll eventually end up with lots of startups and a few major monoliths. A group of researchers at a Norwegian security firm called Promon have found a way to steal Tesla cars by installing malware on their Android phones. So the attack works by installing a malicious app that can read a clear text OAuth token from the Tesla app sandbox. Once it has root, it can then delete that token and force the user to re-log into the app, at which point it captures their password. So you can defend against this by not installing the malicious app in the first place or by having the latest security updates. I'll take this opportunity to recommend that if you're going to run Android, you should switch to a Pixel as fast as possible. A message you hacked, all data encrypted, was seen on Muni station terminals all over San Francisco on Saturday. An anonymous Muni worker said they've been hacked since Friday afternoon, actually. We'll see if it affects service or not, but with the recent attacks against hospitals in the UK, it seems pretty obvious that the line between theoretical and real world is now being crossed with increasing frequency. In the meantime, people are currently writing for free, so good news, bad news. A group called PCAST has recommended to both the current and incoming administrations that they start taking bioterrorism and specifically gene editing techniques such as CRISPR very seriously. They warn that we've been thinking of biodefense in terms of natural threats like Ebola and flu but warn that we now need to be thinking about maliciously created threats. The primary examples they give are modifying common diseases to be more dangerous, more virulent, more resistant to drugs, etc. I think this is a good example of where we need to focus on impact control more than prevention. These sorts of attacks will only get easier as access to sequence data for various life forms becomes increasingly available. We need to figure out detection, response, and impact reduction rather than spending everything on prevention that will ultimately fail. 
Attackers have stolen millions from European ATMs using malware that spits out cash. Authorities believe that the attacks are coming from a criminal group called Cobalt and or a Russian ATM hacking gang called Blue Trap. The world's largest two ATM manufacturers, Diebold and NCR, said they're aware of the issues and are working on the problem. There's been a credit card breach at Madison Square Garden and Radio City Music Hall. Cards were swiped in person at the food and beverage locations, and the incidents seemed to happen between November of 2015 and October 24th of 2016. The personal data of 130,000 sailors in the Navy were potentially stolen when an HBE contractor's laptop was compromised. The investigation is still in early stages. NIST has released new password recommendations. A few of the highlights include favoring the user, so basically not inconveniencing them as much, at least eight characters and up to 64, check against a list of bad passwords, don't force unnatural combinations of special uppercase, etc. characters, don't use password hints, don't use password questions, and no more mandatory expiration for the sake of it. And they also recommend, as people have already heard, to get off of SMS for two-factor. The Phantom Squad hacking group is vowing to take down one or more major gaming services throughout the holidays using massive DDoS attacks. The likely targets are Xbox, PlayStation Network, and Steam. They've already attacked Steam, Counter-Strike, and Rainbow Six in the past. Twitter has asked law enforcement to stop mining its service for surveillance purposes. Snaptrend and Geofedia have already had their public API access revoked because Twitter learned that they were sharing their harvested geolocation data with law enforcement. Facebook appears to have developed content suppression software that will allow them to enter markets that have strict restrictions, such as China. It's disappointing to see this, but I suppose it shouldn't be surprising. Not being in China basically means leaving billions of dollars on the table, so companies are likely to make all sorts of sacrifices to make it happen. It's just weird because of the juxtaposition of free speech and openness in Silicon Valley and kind of the mission statement of Facebook itself versus actual censorship in China. It's the fact that they're doing both that makes it feel so wrong. Technology news. Researchers at the University of Toronto have succeeded in teaching an AI. I prefer the term synthetic intelligence instead of artificial. To learn from human instructions rather than from data, which increased its learning performance by 160%. In addition, the algorithm outperformed its own training by 9%. This type of research makes me happy that there are organizations like Nick Bostrom's that are putting, putting effort into ensuring that we don't accidentally create a real Skynet. When you're talking about self-improving intelligence, how many similar surprises will it take before something truly special is born? I don't know, and I'm not sure anyone else does either. Alphabet is cutting back its drone plans as part of a general tightening of focus. 
It canceled its Google Fiber project a few months back as well, and seems to be shelving more and more projects. Feels like a natural contraction to me with inevitable expansion surely to come at some point in the future. Just felt as if they were trying too many small bets and turning that into too many medium-sized bets. And somebody finally said, enough. Google now has a new offering coming out called Google Wi-Fi, which is a mesh networking Wi-Fi solution that's supposed to have incredible coverage and speeds. You can uh, get more information and pre-order at the link that I provided. MIT researchers just released a paper about a new machine learning training methodology, which has a system perform web research when it doesn't feel it has enough confidence in a classification that it's made. So if the confidence score is low, it'll perform a web query, parse the content, and then reassess. And if the score remains low, it'll perform another query, reassess, etc. This is another interesting advance in self-improved learning for AI systems. Researchers are developing ways to use drones and biobots to map large, unfamiliar areas. Well, sure, that's what they'll be used for at first, but eventually you get to the real use, which is surveillance and war. Oracle has purchased Dyn. I used to love Dyn, absolutely. I used to use them for like 10 years. Recently switched off of them and went somewhere else for a number of reasons. But this purchase would have been the last push I needed if I were still there. Google can now show live views of certain locations during peak hours. I love that they continue making improvements to their core products. I hear that the Google Earth VR experience is absolutely breathtaking. Apple is getting out of the Wi-Fi router business. They also got out of the monitor business recently as well. Seems like they're looking to focus on their core products even more, which I think is a good idea. Facebook's ad revenue isn't anywhere near Google's, but it just passed all the media giants for the first time. Those companies include CBS, Disney, and Comcast. Amazon could be close to offering HBO Now through its Amazon channel service. It's so interesting to see these various groups competing in the new world of decoupled content creation from content distribution. Amazon is getting into the deep learning and cloud services arena. Google and IBM are already playing there and continue to enhance their offerings. So now companies are not only doing AI for themselves, but they're producing services that people can buy externally. Google is removing the mobile-friendly label for sites that have good mobile interfaces. They say 85% of sites that they show now have good mobile sites at this point, so it's not really necessary anymore. They're also about to start punishing mobile sites that have pop-ups when you visit them, which I think is amazing because that's super annoying. Human news. A new study published in the Journal of Applied Physiology nutrition, and metabolism has shown that one of the breakdown products of aspartame attacks a gut microbe that helps fight obesity. This might explain why, despite diet soda have, having no sugar in it, 
Those who drink diet soda rather than regular soda don't lose a significant amount of weight. Another study of around 1,500 people over 10 years showed that the use of low-calorie sweetener is independently associated with larger waist size and higher prevalence of abdominal obesity. In unrelated news, I just got off diet soda again. I'm going to embrace the theory that unnatural substances might be messing with the gut biome or whatever, and that it's just better to drink water, tea, coffee, beer, and wine, with most of that being water, of course. 80% of students can't tell the difference between real and fake news. Luckily, this is only a problem if you care about a healthy democracy. How prospect theory might explain a lot of the Trump and Brexit votes. Basically, when people feel down, they're more likely to take extreme risks. When they feel up, they are far less likely to do so. So if the narrative of Britain and the United States being in bad shape was effective, it might have encouraged many to take a risk to get somewhere better, like a double or nothing, except with countries. It's an interesting possible explanation, or at least a contributing factor. The FTC has demanded that homeopathic remedies be labeled to say that they don't work. <laughs> it's a great step, but there will probably be a counter-marketing that says, they made us put this on the package because they're scared of how effective our stuff is. And the people who are likely to use the products are likely to also believe that. Business Insider did a great piece on how we basically have 11 sub-nations within the United States. He called them uh, Yankeedom, New Netherlands, the Midlands, Tidewater, Great Appalachia, Deep South, El Norte, the Left Coast, the Far West, New France, and the First Nation. The pieces about how all the peoples that populated these lands when America was founded are quite different and have different personalities due to their histories. They argue that these differences lead to the differences we see in those regions today. A new study out of University of Salt Lake City has found a strong link between people's dispositional mindfulness, their self-concept clarity, and their psychological well-being. So basically, the more people know about their current state, the more they understand what they're about, the happier they tend to be. The University of Basel just did a study of 6,500 teenagers and found a strong link between mental and physical health. The summary was that depression in young people affects the stomach, while anxiety affects the skin. Interesting. The election is once again in the news with Jill Stein and Hillary Clinton teaming up to do a recount in a few states. There's evidently enough information to warrant an audit of some of the results in those states, with many officials pretty much confirming that Russia did in fact influence the election by sowing anger towards the left. This information warfare angle from Russia is something I've written about quite a bit, but I personally want this challenge to go away. I'm a liberal person, but the Democrats deserve to lose because of their silly beliefs and silly rhetoric. As an example, the type of thing these people voted against, meaning the people who voted against the left, Jill Stein, one of the leaders of this movement, just came out in support of Fidel Castro, 
saying he was a symbol for the struggle for justice. She also happens to think that Wi-Fi causes cancer. As long as liberals insist on having people like this lead them, they deserve to lose. As a country, we need to adjust and move on. You got trounced. A recount will do nothing but make things worse. Start planning for 2018 and 2020. And if you're worried about Wi-Fi risk, turn off your router and move to Cuba. Ideas, trends, and statistics. Big companies seem to be buying up or hiring all of the limited AI talent. I suppose this is to be expected since they also have the data to apply to it. But it's somewhat disconcerting to realize it'll take some time for the AI benefits to get to smaller companies because it'll need to go through the big companies and then be turned into services that the smaller companies can use. It'll be a while before AI is just considered part of every business. But it's already starting to some degree through companies like Google, Amazon, and Salesforce creating services where others can leverage AI for their own purposes. I wrote a quick little post about an alternative definition of the Internet of Things, which I said it could be based on the swapping of roles between computers and functionality. So the definition would be something like the transition from things with functionality having computers in them to things being computers that are able to perform functions. So in the past, we had cars with computers in them, and now we have computers that take you places. Before, we had phones with computers in them, and now we have computers that make phone calls. I wrote an analysis piece on the philosophy of Westworld, where I say it's basically a statement that there's no difference between hosts and humans. We're both programmed, us by evolution and hosts by us, to be on our loops. And the more primal the loop, the more meaning it produces for you. It's also about how looking too deeply at the loop makes you not like it and makes you want to search for another one. The people outside the game can't wait to get into it because the real world seems fake to them. And the people stuck in the game can't wait to break out of it to get to the real world. They're both confused in thinking that there's something real to find. My summary was that if you want happiness, you just have to find a loop you like and enjoy the ride. I was asked to put together some thoughts on metrics for quotes in an upcoming book, and I came up with the following four. One, metrics have to be connected to goals on one side and actions on the other to be effective. Two, you need to track the percentage under management. Three, you often need coverage more than you need precision. And four, don't confuse your metrics program with a big data project. Focus on how many types of actions you'll take as a result of the metric, and then build your metrics to have that degree of resolution. Recommended links. PyXFIL, a data extraction toolset for Python that exfills data over DNS query, HTTP cookie, ICMP, NTP requests, BGP, HTTP certs, POP3, and FTP makeDir functionality. Shinatra, a web server in five lines of bash. Neat, network enumeration and exploitation tool. This is a tool that manages other tools for scanning, finding vulnerable services, 
and pulling back the output in an easy-to-use format. I feel like all good pen testers have written a tool like this in their life, however crappy it might have been. A CISO mind map, an overview of the responsibilities for a typical CISO in visual format. A practical guide to securing Mac OS. An interesting workflow from SANS ISC on preventing malicious attachment attacks. Gartner has published a paper on applying deception technologies and techniques to improve threat detection and response. The MOVER Visualization Report, a mobile usage statistics report that presents its data in a super clean and visual way. And I read a lot. And when I finish a good book, I collect or create a summary for the book and a capture of what I learned from it. You can see the books I've read and get the summaries at the following link. Announcements, tips, and miscellanea. So I've finally submitted my book titled The Real Internet of Things to an editor and hope to have it cleaned up and published within the next couple of weeks. It's been about 10 or 50 times harder than I anticipated, which I will probably be writing about at some point. I'll say more when it's actually published and I can talk about the entire process. So I've massively redone my podcast production process, including changing up the delivery, as you probably heard, of the weekly show. I've moved to Adobe Audition for my recording and mixing software and Omni Studio for my hosting. Audition has given me way more control of my audio content, including the ability to clean it up a little bit and apply noise removal in a much better way. I've also gone to putting my analysis in the newsletter text rather than ad-libbing it, which should make the shows far more crisp while still keeping the analysis piece, which lots of people said they did not want to lose. If you care about this type of thing, I would love to hear your comments about the changes. I'll be presenting at NBTCon in San Francisco on Saturday, the 3rd of December. Dark Reading featured my piece on opinions around IoT security called Balancing the Risk and Promise of the Internet of Things. Got a link to that. Just finished a few books, Rework, Sleeping Giant, Left of Bang, and Influence. Currently reading Naked Statistics. And working on some summaries for The Hard Thing About Hard Things and The Red Queen, which is a book on evolution. If you're an Android person looking to get a new phone, again, I strongly recommend getting a Pixel. There are lots of reasons for this, but the security one should be enough by itself. And if you're not currently watching anything, I definitely recommend checking out Westworld. This week's quote is another one from Bertrand Russell. One should respect public opinion insofar as is necessary to avoid starvation and to keep out of prison. But anything beyond this is voluntary submission to an unnecessary tyranny. That's it for this episode, and I'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget you can get the show notes for this episode, including all the news, ideas, and links, in the companion newsletter at danielmiesler.com newsletter. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend or on social media. I'll see you next time.